welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, we're halfway through this winter sports season pretty much, uh, according to the basketball schedule at least, but uh, I know wrestling's about halfway through as well, maybe, maybe one week past that. But let's talk about basketball first. Uh, last week, uh, there was some interesting matchups. Wilson, though, had the good week with um, – uh, beaten TA, beaten Waynesboro. They stay in first place. Them and Stan both tied for first, but those two big wins, especially like looking at a three C team like TA, uh, Waynesboro, not as, um, you know, monumental, but you, you kind of look at their halfway point through the season. They beat Stanton. Yeah, they lost to Fort, um, but they, they have that edge against that team that we're giving credit to be that, that second best team. Stanton, uh, they lost to Wilson. And so, they're going to play again this week. And so kind of the way this story, the season's going to be told for the, for these two teams kind of going to have a big head start Tuesday night when they go to Wilson Stanton plays at Wilson. And it's, it's going to be a really interesting one, but I, I continue to be impressed with Wilson. I continue to be impressed with Stanton. So I, I, it's just a monster game Tuesday night. It is. In fact, you know, I, I said that I think Stanton would end up winning the Shenandoah District. Back when we did our season preview, I felt like it was Stanton's year to win the Shenandoah District. Um, and, and honestly, this is Wilson's chance to kind of put them away. Because even if you lose again to Fort, right? If you beat Stanton and you have that tiebreaker, then you're probably going to be solid. Um, yeah. Unless you really fall flat on your face. But on the flip side, this is Stanton's opportunity. That Wilson loss to Fort really helped them out because now you can get ahead of them in the standings with a win. Uh, and I do think Stanton finds a way to win on Tuesday. We'll see what happens. It's it's going to be a good competitive game. This has turned into quite the rivalry between Wilson and Stanton, uh, especially in recent years. Uh, as, Even when they weren't in the same district, it was a rivalry. So right. it's just... Now that they play all the time, it's just put that much, you know, that many more coals on the fire. It's sure. just, you get that many more opportunities. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to see how it goes. And, and again, I, I I do think if I'm picking a winner, I do think it's going to be Stanton uh, this year, or uh, excuse me, this week that finds a way to win and moves ahead of Wilson. And then I think that will put them kind of on the short track to win the district. Uh, they'll still have work to do. Still got to play for it again as well. But I do think that'll help them out. The other kind of interesting game this week, just for, you know, Matt, you know, seeing where people lie, I think is the Gap Riverheads game. You know, this is teams that we, you know, those are the only two class one teams out of one B, which team can kind of maybe come out of one B. And we've had our disappointments with both. Now, Riverheads kind of leans on that. Hey, we started late, you know, half our guys get in from football and that. And even in the preseason, you know, talk up they're you're saying, you know, we want to be finishing strong, um, kind of acknowledge and they might have the bumps, but Gap, you know, we gave a lot of two credit, a lot of credit to early, and they've had a lot of bumps. Now they had a good week, beat Stewart's draft, it went at Grace. Um, this week, though, they're going to have uh, Fort Defiance and Riverhead. So I think it's a telling week for Buffalo Gap. You're looking at a team above them in the rankings, and a team kind of right with them in the rankings in the same region. Um, you know, standing between them and a state playoff uh, trip back there, like they were last year. So I think that's the other matchup that's on Friday. I think I'm going to be at that game. So I should be able to talk straight about that. 
Um, but also this weekend, I think it's interesting, the Invitational Tournament this weekend, you know, you have Stewart's Draft playing at Rockbridge. You have Stanton playing Floyd County. But you also have Wilson and Spotswood. And that's where I kind of opened my eyes most to right there. I, I was going to say, that's, that's the, the one that I thought you were going to talk about. Yeah. Of those Saturdays. Yeah, I was trying to work my way back around full circle with the Wilson boys here. You know, Spotswood is a very good class three team and they're in three C and Wilson's in three C. And so, especially with Stanton and Wilson playing early in the week and they were very, you know, played really close last time. I'd imagine this game is probably really close. I think that game on Saturday could be a good indicator of where does the Shenandoah district stand in three C, you know, on the possibility of getting out of it, whoever comes out on top between Wilson on Tuesday, Wilson and Stanton on Tuesday. I think that's going to be a good measure and stick game against a great Spotswood program. And I think having both of those big games in one week is also a good kind of dry run for a, for a tournament. Yeah. I know you have the Stewart's draft game there in the middle um, and no disrespect to Stewart's draft, but that's not really a game that Wilson should be worried about. So it, it's, it's the front end on Tuesday. It's the back end on Saturday. You're that's about the kind of, time off you're going to have between games and in the tournament so i think that's a great simulation and a, and a great practice for wilson to to see what they've got like you said uh see if they're ready and you know you can lose to stanton and, and still come back and rebound and and do well against spotswood and still kind of regain your your confidence a little bit that's something that's possible too for wilson unlike in a tournament scenario where if you would lose um you're done unless it's in a, a final of some sort but I do think this is a big week for Wilson. And then, you know, on the flip side, you know, Floyd County for Stanton is going to be. Yeah, it's solid. It's a solid opponent. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I know Stanton is really hoping that that's a win for them, and I think it should be. But it's a it's a new opponent, one that you're not familiar with. So anytime right. you're playing a good team that you're not familiar with, it, it poses a challenge. And an interesting week for Stanton. Like where Wilson might have that highlight schedule this week, you know, Stanton – with Wilson on Tuesday, the rivalry with Waynesboro. I know Waynesboro's down, but still that's the rivalry game and, and all that stuff. And then Floyd County, I, I, it's an interesting week there for Stanton. Let's jump over to the girls' side of things. You know, Wilson here definitely on top, one game up because they beat everybody going through the district the first time through. Uh, they beat everybody last week, um, wrapping up the first half of the district with Waynesboro. Now, same thing that, you know, they'll – um, move forward this week. They'll play Stanton and Stewart's draft. You think that's some wins. They're going to build up towards their Fort Defiance game at the end um, of next week. So we'll talk about that before it happens. But Wilson definitely looking like the class, the Shenandoah district again this year. Um, this is something they were doing there for a couple of years. Fort then, you know, got on top uh, the last two seasons, I believe. Um, and with Mike Gale there last year, just kind of confusing everybody with that run and gun and the uh, what, what, what do you like to call it? Fort three fiance or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's probably a little bit more predictable on the girl's side right now, but still time for someone to try to upset it. You give Fort defiance the best, uh, chance for that. I want to see if riverheads can some, make some noise in there. Um, and, and Buffalo gaps getting healthy. So it's just going to see what they can do, but them touching Wilson, I'm more worried about, but I, I'm interested to see what two through four kind of end up being. Ye- mm. I don't know. I still think that Wilson Fort game. I, I still Probably think the, the top is. I, I mean, there's two games up now, so Fort is from three. I, I get that. Yeah, there, there's, 
more interest for me in one, two versus the others. Um, mainly because I think gap is going to be better um, now that they've gotten healthier. And I think they're going to be the third best team in the Shenandoah district. I think the early losses hurt them with the injuries and stuff, but they're going to, they should be rebounding fine. And I think they've won six straight. Yeah. I I think they're going to be fine. Um, And we'll see. I I really do think they're going to end up beating out Riverheads for third. And then after that, it's not, uh, great they play Friday, in the so that'll be a district. big say in that. Yep. Yeah. Um, I do think we'll be talking about a gap win next week, but we'll see. They'll play the game. It's very possible. Very possible. We saw JMU lose their first Sun Belt game this past week. They lost against Georgia Southern at home in the middle of the week, but they rebounded nice, beating a solid Troy team. Uh, they did win that one by one. Uh, but, you know, it shows that, you know, the Sun Belt isn't a complete walkover like people are starting to kind of put together there. They got to go down to Coastal now, got to go to Georgia uh, State next Saturday. Um, and, you know, this is the start of four games in a row. And so that's going to be tough in the Sun Belt with the bigger travel than than these uh, women have been used to these last couple years in the CAA. So uh, it was just interesting to see JMU finally drop a game in the women's basketball. But they're still on top of that conference and and still have a lot of war wins ahead of them. They do. Um, and, and I think, you know, when you look at the Sun Belt and, and how that's going to unfold, it's you'd be really surprised if JMU isn't in the tournament this year just because of how they've played most of the way through. Now, like you said, you can't take anybody too lightly because if you do, the, the conference is good enough to pick you off. But they've got to be considered the favorites in the Sun Belt at this point, um, they keep kind of just rolling through it, uh, for the most part, getting wins. Um, and let's be honest, it's a one bid league. So if you don't win the conference tournament, you're not going. Uh, so I think that needs to be the mindset for the women's program and the men's program for that matter. Um, but the women's program, especially because they're in such a dominant position. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the things we expected coming in. So, uh, you know, wouldn't just have assumed they'd be in the middle of the pack down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be something we look forward to. We do have, um, you know, our state teams there. Uh, you, Virginia, they lost both their games last week. They have Syracuse uh, coming up. But then Virginia Tech, they won both their games last week. They have Duke on Thursday. And then it lines up for that UVA game on Sunday, 6 p.m., ACC Network. Tech won the last time those two teams faced each other. That was UVA's first loss of the season, and they've been on a little fall since then. Uh, so I know UVA looking to get that one back. It will be at home for the Cavaliers. But, uh, yeah, it's something excited to watch on Sunday night there. Uh, if you're not going to be watching the NFL football like we'll be talking about, um, you know, that's going to be an interesting game. And I'll have that on the second TV, I'm sure. Yeah, it will be an interesting game. And I think the interesting part of that game is going to be, kind of like you said, for UVA – it's a real opportunity to turn your season around um, because yeah. after the Virginia tech loss, it was kind of UVA and, and the fans that were like, man, we're undefeated. We're like 14 and 0 or, or 13 and 0 or 12 and 0 or whatever they were at the time. Um, why aren't we ranked? And I, I think you kind of got to see why, because some of the people doing the rankings were like, well, you know, we want to see what happens when you get into conference play. 
And, and that's been a rougher road. In the ACC, especially in women's basketball, women's basketball is tougher than men's basketball this season. But um, it's been a really, it's always a really, really tough conference. And you're kind of seeing that with UVA. This is an opportunity, though, for them, if they can have a better week this week to kind of right the ship a little bit for the Cavaliers. And on the flip side for the Hokies, it's not as been as dominant as they were in the non-conference in early part of the season, but they're still winning more than they lose. Uh, and they're getting some good wins. This Duke game is big for them. And then of course the rivalry matchup with UVA. How, uh, I guess I know your VCU women, they kind of came back down to earth this past week. And uh, yeah, after, they a couple. after pulling even in the conference with a couple wins against Mason and uh, Richmond, they uh, had the sixth, they were the sixth victim of Davidson shooting over 50% in a game. Hard to win if the other team is going to shoot over 50%. Hey, we all know if the other team makes all their shots, it's hard, hard to beat them. It is. Um, it kind of felt like VCU needed to make all of their shots to win that game just because Davidson, it felt like, was making all their shots. Um, That's really analytical kind of thing with basketball, but yeah. Sure. All your shots. Um, but that being said, I mean, Davidson has some really good players. Uh, that That's honestly a team that when I was doing the research that we do before, or I do before the games, um, I was like, how is this team one and two in the A-10? Because I was looking at their shooting numbers and their scores, and I was like, they should be better. Um, VCU had a really good shooting night outside of the third quarter. And unfortunately, the third quarter was the only quarter they lost. It dug them in a big enough hole where they couldn't come back and win that game. Um, Davidson did not have a quarter off, so that was kind of the difference. And then Sunday, they played George Washington, another team that is uh, in the middle of the pack there in the A-10, and they just kind of got a little slow start in the first half, um, came out, was better in the second half, but just dug themselves in too big of a hole there in the first half, couldn't quite get that win. And uh, they'll have some work to do with the upcoming schedule. Uh, unfortunately on Thursday, they're going to play UMass who is one of the best teams in the A-10. I won't say the best, but they're one of the best teams in the A-10. They have the defending A-10 player of the year on their team. So that will be hard. Uh, and then they come home over the weekend against Loyola Chicago and uh, they'll have LaSalle after that as well. Will, will sister Jean be there? I doubt it. Oh, come on. I mean, what are we doing? If you're not going to have Sister Jean travel with all the teams, then what are we doing? Sister Jean did not make an appearance for the soccer matches. So, I mean, I'm just... In the baseball games, I remember asking last year. So We didn't play them in baseball. Really? Mm-hmm. Then I guess it was soccer I gave you a hard time for. It Man, I'm soccer. off tonight. I'm, I'm off my game tonight. Um, all right, men's basketball. Uh, there was a game. We're recording Monday night. I got, I'm, I'm home for one night here. Uh, between travel opportunities mm-hmm. and uh, I was able to take in a little basketball game. We beat this team uh, that they play really, they play really close to UNC at Duke is their name. Um, they have a first year coach and, and some recruits, uh, a lot of, a lot of younger players, a couple older ones, uh, but we were able to take them down tonight. That was nice. I think I had this by the way on uh, John Shire, not being very good. <laughs> That's an easy thing to say right now. I hear that from a lot of directions right now. I no, but I said it even when everyone's like, "Oh, but John Shire's got all these great recruits. Duke's not going anywhere." And I was like, "Duke's going somewhere," and it's down. John Shire, I mean, maybe the greatest coach of all time was the greatest coach of all time. It's possible. Uh, yeah, 
I, I just don't think <laughs> I just didn't buy that John Shire was going to keep Duke up there. Like, I just didn't buy that. I, when they said John Shire was going to be the coach, I was like, that's a surprise. Cause who should they have hired? Uh, one Tony Amaker. If he can win at Harvard, if he can get Harvard to the tournament year in, year out, I think he can recruit at Duke. If you can recruit at Harvard, you can recruit at Duke. I like that you had an answer because everybody else that's given me Shire sucking, I was like, well, also Wojo. How long has Wojo been on that staff? He's not that good. He was struggling at Marquette. That's why Shaka Smart's there now. I guess, but. And then who was the other one? Capel. That was the other guy that has bounced a lot. That's the other guy who's bounced around a little bit. But yeah, Tony Amaker was Tony Amaker was number one because he's proven to have success Amaker's at Harvard. A good answer. It wasn't one I was thinking about. He he's been proven to have success at Harvard. I really was surprised that they did not hire Tony Amaker. And then when they Roy said Williams John Shire, uh, who Roy Williams? He was yeah, available. I don't think that was going to be a possibility. Um, but when when they said John Shire, I was like, okay. Um, and it hasn't worked out, and I've loved it. Um. This hopefully is the win that Virginia Tech needs to kind of turn around their season. Uh, it has to be. Poof. It has to be. We're just past. It does have what? to be. Yes. Well, I mean, there, to let's be, be honest. Turn, and then we got to probably ride at some ACC tournament wins. And I, well, you say some. I say all. I think well, even if they win out, the, they're going to have to win that, the ACC tournament. Um, I saw this on Twitter like since the game um john rosenstein said that Hokies are 18 and 4 with hunter katora in the lineup and oh and seven without him and that is something that our tournament kitty committee will pay attention to they absolutely do we've seen this in previous years we've seen it with how teams get put in the tournament we see them in or out with that now we can't keep falling on our face we can't keep messing up but if we're borderline that's going to be an advantage to us if we have a, a healthy Hunter Couture at that time. So um, I think I'd like to just I, we, I don't know about going undefeated, but like we got to have a heck of a run right here and then have continue that into the ACC tournament. I'm I just I don't know. At this point, I'm not just demanding the ACC win. I we've we've done it once. I say we can do it again. And I say, let's just go do that. But I'd like to see if we can create a way without that with some more big wins where it's just obvious we were missing a guy and now we're the team we're supposed to be. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we have a breathing room. It's probably unlikely that we do, but uh, let's just go win it. Like why, why worry about it when we just, we can win it. Let's just go do that. Yeah. Why not? Um, who's good. I mean, who's good in this conference? I mean, come on. Mm, okay. But I will say this. Uh, I was trying to set you up to talk about UVA. Who's a top 10 team. <laughs> they are, um, but well, among others, I tried to transition the podcast among others, but I, I just, my, my concern with the whole, like, well, you know, this is where we were last year and we were able to turn it around. I'm like, yeah. And we had to win the ACC tournament to, to get in. Yeah. Um, yeah. We weren't going to be in without it. I, I, I think they might be there again. Um, but you know, we'll see. UVA is one of those teams. They're on a roll. Uh, they have a fairly easy schedule this week. Uh, with BC and then at Syracuse might be a, a tougher test, but I yeah, do next Monday, yeah. think that's not going to be a problem. Yeah. And then JMU, oh. they needed a buzzer beater to beat Troy, which was interesting. And then Troy is not as good in the men's. Uh-uh. 
they're four and four in the conference. And I think this is kind of um, when everyone was saying. Everyone. Okay. When Shane was saying, you know, they're scoring, they're the nation's leading scoring team. Uh, you look at the Sun Belt, you know, no one else is close to them in scoring. Their defense, you know, it's it's pretty good. Their, their margin is so huge. It's going to be really hard for teams to overcome that. And again, um, unfortunately, that's counting all the D2, D3, and NAI. NAIA schools that JMU had on the schedule and the non-conference schedule, which honestly for a D1 opponent is a lot. Um, four is a lot. One, there are other teams that do that. Two, maybe you can find three other teams that do that. Three, no. Four, why? Um, and I think you're kind of learning why that's a bad idea. Because now you're in conference and all of a sudden you're very average. You're four and four. Anytime your team is this Troy game, honestly, was one of the few close games that I was surprised to see JMU hit a buzzer beater and win because normally in those close games, they fold like a lawn chair because they're not into competitive basketball. They didn't play competitive teams at the beginning of the season. So when they're in tight games, they're not prepared. They are reliant on Friedel and Morris or Morse. If they're not having good games, JMU is not going to have a good game and they are. I say when they're not having good games because they all, it's almost like they're a package deal. They're either both lights out or they're both off on the same night. So I don't know what's going on. If, if they've got them rooming together or what, but maybe separate them so you can see if you can win if one of them is off and the other one's on. Because right now, it's, it's all or nothing. But that's just my observation. Um, obviously, you know, if they make all their shots, they'll win the rest of their games. Yeah. But I don't think that's Always. a realistic possibility. And also, I think saying things like this team could have beaten UNC, um, it just shows you how really incredibly stupid and how dull you have to be to say something like that. Not only out loud, but then double down on it numerous times on a social media app. And let's just call it Twitter. Well, now let's uh, bring on Matt Hatfield, who won the College Bowl picks. And so now it's time for the Matt Hatfield Show. All right, Matt Hatfield won our bowl pick. So Matt Hatfield gets to come on and it's the Matt Hatfield Show for at least a segment. He gets to tell us what we're going to talk about and he gets to tell us what he thinks about that. He gets to drive the boat here. I'm honored and privileged, but I guess this is maybe the most embarrassing part of this. A, I didn't realize until you had told me, Joe, it might have been on Facebook, that I had I'd done the bowl picks, won it. <laughs> B, I literally filled it out in a span of about three minutes just doing clicks. I had no strategy or analysis, which makes me feel awful because had I put, put a lot of time and invested in it, I would have done horribly. And C... I guess dominated. the most disappointing part was I thought I'd get like a WWE championship belt. I could just go walking around town with saying, <laughs> why are you carrying that and brag about it? But I don't, I don't get that. So I guess this is the next best thing, right? Right. This is the All next right. best thing. That's after we get our sponsorship with, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll be we'll expecting that, that belt in 2032. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it, what's funny that you mentioned that is I think it was the air force game where you're the only one that picked air force to beat Baylor. And I'm talking to Lila. I was like, man, I just, I didn't see that coming. I was like, that just shows you how much Hatfield knows. It's like he's the only one to pick Air Force, and he's <laughs> no, putting listen, like a Leland lot of confidence. No, listen, Leland should notice because Leland should notice Joe because 
he's a he's a loyal little like me. If he listens to the Tony Kornheiser show and his podcast, James Carvel with his blue light specials had this yeah. and about 15 other wise guys from the desert were all on Air Force. And I actually watched a little bit of Air Force this year. So that was one I was very that was one I did feel good about. The rest of them was just like pick a card, any card. I mean, like the Utah Penn State Rose Bowl. I must have bounced 25 times back and forth on that game. Uh, who I was picking. So, but the, but the Air Force one, I, I did have some pretty good intel. And, and thanks to Carville, who's a, a political person, not a football, you know, he, he steered me the right way along with some other guys that do that stuff for a living. So. Yeah. I, I had heard that Air Force pick. I didn't buy into it uh, on that one. So. Now we're the dumb. Listen, those, 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 those service academies like Navy, Army, Air Force, if, especially the, the, big, the big 12 teams, because they don't play great defense. If you don't see that style of offense or prepare, and and the motivation factor is a big deal with the Bulls. You know how it is now with opt-outs. It's, that's such a yeah. – the, the one I felt great about too was, I remember calling somebody was, and I saw the list of opt-outs for the LSU-Purdue game. It must have been like 40-something players, and it was more for LSU than Purdue. But I watched a good chunk of Purdue this year, including a game against Nebraska on a Saturday night after I was covering a high school game. And I said, everybody that matters for Purdue was opting out of this game. LSU seconds – are good as their first. So this is going to be a smearing and it was a smearing. Wow. The, the thing is you were the, in the 99 percentile, your win loss was 29 and 14. You had 683 points. The next person in our league had 608. So you won by about 80 points. Um, you were like 1000, you're like 1500th out of the whole thing. And our in last the whole country. Place, yeah. Yeah. Our last place person was 143rd. 143,000. So, so like, I need to call ESPN. I mean, I do work for ESPN, right? I don't get like a free t shirt or like some like bonus yeah. bucks. I can use it. Like, well, Toy hey, Girls is closed now. No, I, can talk use, to, I don't get anything talk from to Rob Ron. Talk to Rob Ron. See if you can pull something out of the pile and throw That's, something at it. It might say, you yeah. know, like Dairy Queen on it, but hey, we, we can get you something. We do have <laughs> we do have some shirts that got messed up today. So I, there is a possibility you might get one. Um, that's our sponsor. That's never going to sponsor us, but yeah. or anything. You never to have too many free t-shirts. That's true. We do have the logo. We do have the logo designed. Yeah. Just throw it on top. Like, that's what we make it better. Takes like some damaged shirt, you know, some shirt that does <laughs> some shirt that's got somebody else's company on it. And just slap it somewhere. And yeah. It and send it to Matt Hatfield. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. We could do that. People always need something to sleep in. So. That's true. Yes. So true. Um, <laughs> We were talking, I think we talked previously, man, you get a couple, with a couple of days. I want to talk about uh, you being a loyal little first and oh. Tony Kornheiser's podcast. I used to have Joe on board listening and he stopped because uh, Dan Levitard took over his life. And I also think his commute's less now. Um, but uh, yeah, talk about enjoying the Tony Kornheiser show like I do. I want to talk more about that. Well, it's funny growing up, uh, one of the people that I uh was one of my mentors was Tony Mercurio, who was the the drive time host here in Tidewater. And he, that was part of the deal. The morning lineup was Mike and Mike, Tony Kornheiser. And of course I grew up watching PTI with Kornheiser Wilbon. Interesting yeah. story. Got to meet Mike Wilbon on um, and covered his son in an AAU basketball tournament oh, nice. uh, at the Virginia sports center this past summer. And he was delighted to see that I had an Arizona shirt and there was another person on the planet that liked Arizona yeah. that lived uh, on this time zone, the Eastern time zone as a parse to out you know, West. But long story short, uh, since he went away from radio to podcast, and I'm not one that I don't, a lot of people listen to sports radio in the car. I'm more one that, and I don't listen to a lot of sports radio these days now. 
uh, particularly since I've gotten on radio, but I'm one that loves listening to podcasts, particularly when I'm doing my walk. I started my health and wellness thing a couple of years ago. And then now with traveling with ODU, uh, airports, you know, if you don't have air shocks, like I have, you know, on my head almost, except for when I go to sleep, uh, you're, you're pretty much, you're tough out of luck because I'm one on my computer all the time. And, you know, if you're in a plane or in an airport, you can only use your computer in certain instances. Um, so it's great for traveling just to pop in whatever podcast. It could be the Yak podcast. There you go. Any there podcast you, go. you like to listen to. Yeah. And it just, it gives you that chance to get caught up on what's happening in the world, sports, news, you name it. Um, and that, that's kind of how it's, it's going about, but it, it is a, an absolute true story, as you know, and Joe, maybe some other listeners don't know, as I was at the, the Maury Lake Taylor football game at Palatan Field and the announcer dropped a lechiserie, which is one of the catchphrases of the show. And since then, I've gone to a grocery store, a bank, and another uh, basketball game where I've had someone mention it to me. I remember you, before I'd actually listened to that episode, you sent me an email. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't gotten to that episode yet. So it's funny how a small world, you run into people and different yeah. things like that. And, yeah. So I listened to him uh, in high school when I picked it up. Uh, basically, when I started driving a car is when I got into ESPN radio all day. And I love that old lineup. I love Tony. Um, and so one of my funny stories was I, I had, you know, I always had teachers. I was nice to the right teachers at the right time. So we had this computer class and you weren't allowed to, you wear headphones and you had to be into the class. Well, of course I'm over there with an earbud in listening to Tony Kornheiser every day and she knew it and didn't care. Cause I sucked up the right ways. And so then all of a sudden one day, and this is, you know, 2001 or two, probably spring of 2002, and so not too long after 9-11, and all of a sudden they did, and I never had heard it before on, on radio, was one of the emergency alert broadcast tests. Like, I didn't know they just did that on internet radio like that. So all of a sudden that thing's going off. And the teacher said, I just turned white and just wide-eyed, thinking like some kind of huge disaster is happening to our country again. And no, it was just that. But that was when I was breaking the rules, being a big rebel, listening to an old man talk about movies and some sports. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm mesmerized the people I bump into that, that listen to my, my radio show I do with Coach Ed Young at Nance, whenever high school basketball coaches closing around 500 victories in his career and just people that will, you don't think, it's so weird now, whether you're in, you know, you guys in radio or doing a sports podcast, it, it, sometimes you wonder how many people are listening or who's listening. And then when you go away, that's when you find out someone says, what's wrong? What happened? Are you okay? Did, did, that's when you always find out, like, you really care about these listeners. That's when you, you, you learn that. And I think that's probably true with like his show people. When you, when he goes on vacation, it's like, Oh my gosh, well, your routine is broken, which we all had our routine broken and affected and impacted in some way during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I do remember when the commute was longer and, um, I had more time in the car to listen to podcasts and I, I would listen to Tony every day. And then there would be just some guests that I was like, I don't really need him. Um, but you know, he doesn't like DA. <sighs> oh, you're not a David Aldridge guy. Here's the yeah, thing. He like when him. David Aldridge is well, talking David basketball, Go ahead. Give me yours. when I David Aldridge is talking basketball, love him. Super smart. Okay. Great. Appreciate him for that. But it's when he starts talking about the other stuff that I'm like, I, you are so out of your element here. Like, and his, I also, this is nothing against David Aldridge. I'm sure he's a great human being. I want him to laugh and be happy as much as he wants to do that. But his <laughs> laugh is super annoying to me. And it just like, it, oh. like to me, I was like, oh, I can't listen to this. So it, then it was, okay, days David Aldridge aren't on. Cause it was like consistent. I knew what days of the week he was on. I was like, I just won't listen to those days. 
and then um then the commute got shorter and things changed and my listening habits changed and I was like okay and I don't even remember what I think there was some person I wanted to hear interviewed that was on Levitard. And so I just was like, okay, well, let me check this out. It was one of the no David Aldridge days. And, or it was one of the days David Aldridge was on. So I listened to Levitard that day. And like, I was like, these guys are fun. Like they goof, like Kornheiser, they goof around, have fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, oh man, this is good. Maybe I'll listen to this more often. And then it just got to the point where like that took over and, I do like Tony. I loved PTI. Um, but, yeah, there's just – I only have so much time in the day, sadly, to listen to podcasts. No, listen, everybody has their own taste. And I think since the pandemic, the way he does it shows a little bit different too. But yeah. on my Aldridge story and, – and, by the way, I grew up with – I mentioned McCure as an influence. The late, great Terry Sosiski was a longtime voice at VCU, was a huge mentor of mine, and he did Petersburg High School Athletics. And my big show growing up I loved listening to was Mike and the Mad Dog. When they were based out of New York. I just love their chemistry, and now they're going to be making an appearance with Stephen A. on ESPN's first take. Mad Dog's been doing Wednesdays. Um, they've both been highly successful. They, they have their own niche audience, but I just love Mad Dog's zaniness and Francesca's keen insight and knowledge, and it was just the, the perfect match, and they kind of generated you know, the beginning of sports radio, sports talk radio in a lot of ways. But a good friend of mine who's an NBA scout um, actually is very close with David Aldridge, and last April we wanted to get David Aldridge on our radio show he provided me his info, sent him a text, never heard back. So I'm not gonna say DA's dead to me, but he Love took it. down a couple pegs. See, he'll hear this and reply back. But April 29th, <laughs> our podcast. Text, never replied to me. <laughs> That's gonna like, say. You know, said is you know no thanks. Don't wanna do it. And I've had people said it to me, and I can respect that. But don't leave me on read and ignored. That's I hate that part. I hate that part. Yeah. yeah. See, I told you, Leland. Yeah. Here I was trying to be a nice guy, saying I'm sure he's a nice guy. Maybe but Joe, if you want yeah, DA's but... number, you can text him and tell him that this guy blasted him on the podcast. Maybe he'll come on with. Yeah, do you want to come on and respond? Yeah, do you want to come on and respond? Likes when I when I tag oh the people. My gosh. That, uh, okay, yeah, really... let's let's do this for our long term listeners on the X, all ten of them on the Yak Sports <laughs> podcast. But Matt doesn't know this story. So there was one time where this was near the end of Roy Williams' career. Uh, that year, he had like three wins in the ACC or four. The year he got vertigo, right? Yeah. And they, they were just awful. Like, they UNC yeah. was terrible. They were almost last place in the conference. And at the time, they had no ACC wins. And I, mm-hmm. I said to Leland, I was like, if they don't win an ACC game, he's fired. And Leland's like, no. And I was like, Leland, I know he's won a national title there, but UNC does not tolerate no ACC wins. I was like, I don't care who you are. I was like, I, I think that's fireable. And Leland's like, no, no, no. So we had this argument back and forth. Well, then Leland wants to tag Roy Williams. Well, you might realize this. Uh, basketball coach Roy Williams does not have a Twitter. But old football wide receiver in the NFL, Roy Williams does. And so Leland tags him by accident. And then that Roy Williams says... Yo, and then tags me in a tweet and goes, why am I tagged in this? And I was like, no idea. <laughs> I was just like, Great. That's a little bit like That's a little bit like Mark Davis. There's a sportscaster that now is in our Tywater area. It was in Richmond, uh, now on WTCAR Channel 3. He yeah. gets tagged in a lot of Mark Davis, the NBA official, people <laughs> threatening him. I mean, that's the worst. If you've got a name and you're a referee's name, oh, yeah. 
look out, buddy, you're in trouble. I mean, you're going to get all kinds of hate mail and messages and you might have to change your name at that point because it can just, it can get gruesome. Yeah. I would imagine that'd be awesome. Golfer, the golfer and the actor, um, uh, is Ben Wyatt on, um, Parks and Rec. Um, I'm yeah. just blanking on his name right now, but, uh, he's been in a lot of things, uh, but he, he and one of the golfers have the same name. Why am I blanking on this guy's name? It's like so standard, but those are always fun when it's like the same name for, uh, for people. And like, it gets messed up. Cause like, there's some funny, there's been some funny interactions that have come from that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Well, the actress, Allison Becker, who plays Shauna Mulway Tweep on Parks and Rec, among other things, has the same name as Liverpool's goalie. And she was in an interview one time and she's like, I always know how Liverpool's doing based on the kind of tweets I'm getting. So it's uh, and Adam Scott was the name. I Adam was Scott. Yeah. Oh yeah. Adam Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think Michael Jordan and Michael B. Jordan had that same problem because no. the one Michael Jordan doesn't have a Twitter and the other actors, you know, I, I don't, that's one where I think they're okay. But you know, yeah, if you, if the same name of someone like that can be, that can be pretty, pretty rotten. And, uh, yeah, it'd be hard to, to deal with that. But yeah, you go back to your point, Joe, on the on the shows. Like, I think everybody's got their own routine and regimen of what they listen to. Like for me, I I was sad when Packer and Durham went off the air on the ACC network. Yeah. That was one of my go tos in the morning. Now i I've gotten uh, I've gotten in tune with uh, that Follow the Money show with all the people that do all the different little they have the guests on with the sports wagering and some of that. It's it's, it's interesting. You, I want to be thinking in the morning. Give me something to make me react, laugh. Or make my brain think instead of just sitting there and it's just be one person talking for 30 minutes, basically reading off of a script that can just put me back to sleep. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's that is miss, one of the I miss, go ahead, Leland. I miss the old ESPN lineup, though. Like it, it had me like keyed into the day. Now, you know, like Mike and Mike, you're going to hear kind of them go through everything and then you're going to kind of hear it repeat. But you know that. And like, I think it kind of helped like you're probably thinking and reacting the first time through. And then the second time through, that's when you actually start hammering on some work and then you'd get, you know, Tony there for a while. Then it was Cowherd, you know, like, and, and that's the thing about Cowherd is like, I don't, I don't really like Cowherd. I don't agree with him so often, but like he made you listen and like, you'd react to it. Like he'd he says stuff to make you react. So like, I appreciate him. I didn't chase him to Fox. So, you know, that ended. Um, I always liked Dan Patrick. I liked Tariko. I liked SVP. So the one o'clock slot stayed good for a while, but I was just never into Dan Levitard. And I know his podcast does well now. Um, I, I didn't appreciate some of the stuff at drive time. That mm-hmm. was funny, but just some of the stuff wasn't like, I, I don't know. I just, with younger kids getting in the car, I wasn't always good there. So, um, I don't that's know. Fair. That's where I was on him, but <laughs> I, I just fair. missed the default you know, around here, ESPN 1240 on the radio, uh, just all day. And like, I don't, I don't even turn over there anymore. I definitely don't turn over in the mornings. I I don't turn over there at all. Well, I mean, you get, people get programmed to something that you like. And when it gets taken away, going back to like the pandemic, then it's hard to adjust on Levitard. I can take or leave at times. I think some of his comedy bits are good. I actually like the times when he's had Poppy. The, the bit on LeBron was hilarious, I thought. My yes. dad actually got to kick Poppy. Then people can't stand Poppy. So you've got a little audience either loves it or hates it. And on Cowherd, I thought his theory radio was good and interesting. But then he got to a point, this was with ESPN and then with Fox. And I could say this because our, our station, Max Media, we've got ESPN on the FM. We've got, actually now got Fox Sports as our sister station, which is very unusual. But then we have that now in our building. But I think a little bit with both, he got to a point where, and I've seen hosts 
uh, be it in our market or other markets, try to mimic what he does and it doesn't go over as well, but where everything becomes a theory type of topic. And to me, not everything is that. I think he tr it, then you start to force things and then yeah. you get called out on Twitter, like the Funhouse account that made up its parody on him and Francesca people, where you say things and then you come back later, eight, nine months, and you look like a total goof. So I think he's gotten to a point now where he tries to make some bold declaration on every little thing, which a lot of your talking heads do on TV, whether it's Stephen A or Skip or fill in the blank. And not everything is this bold declaration right. that we have to make this proclamation that this is this. And sometimes it's like, no, we're still learning about something. Yeah, that makes for bad sports radio, though, when you say <laughs> we're still learning. Or, or, or kind of phony. I, I like, yeah, I yeah, like yeah. some of my hosts to be a little more genuine and like own up to when they get something wrong as opposed yes. to saying, oh, I never said that. Then they bring out the clip that you said it 12 months ago, and it's right there. You can't take it back. So. And that's, I try to do this show all, all, as much as Leland I can. does do that to me, oh, which is fair. <laughs> Leland does that to me, which is fair. But then I like that's one of the things I enjoy about Levitard because you have Dan Levitard who will say, not often, but sometimes will make these declarative statements. And then when he's wrong, like, they have a day called Dan was loud wrong day, which is the day back when he had that bad night back in New England uh, when they were playing the Bengals on a Monday night. And everyone was like, oh, this is the end of Tom Brady. And he's like 35 years old. And they're like, this is the end of Tom Brady. And then he's gone on to have like three Hall of Fame careers. That, that's the joke they make. He's had three Hall of Fame careers since Dan said that. And um, so every day on or every year on that day is Dan was loud wrong day and they celebrate that. And then on the flip side, like Dan always gets mad because Stu Gotts will say sometimes in mid sentence will change his stance on an issue. And Dan's <laughs> like, you don't even listen to what you say. Like, <laughs> so and that's that's why, I, you know, you have both sides and they they laugh at themselves. It's almost like when they make a mistake. They just they call it they sink into it and embrace it and laugh about it instead of trying to take everything so seriously which is yeah, something yeah. i like because there are times where i mean you know this matt because we both work and and mm -hmm. leland too i mean we're all on radio at different points and when we're on radio we're desperately trying not to make that mistake or get that name wrong or don't sound like an idiot on air whereas mm -hmm. And when you do, it's like, ah, oh. like I know myself, I'll beat myself up the rest of the day about it. Whereas like there, I'm like, you know what? Maybe it is okay to laugh and just move on and not take it so seriously sometimes. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, think life's so short. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got to be lighthearted with it. And I think the ones that have done it long enough, successful enough, have that little, that margin, as we say, like sports teams that are great. The margin for error is not as, you know. That's is if you're some new kid on the block <laughs> and you true. make a mistake or you're the, the the backup quarterback, you're the third string guy, you know, the margin for error is a lot smaller for Dak Prescott than it is Brady or, you know, Joe Burrow, if you will. So that's true. OK, well, now that you're talking about NFL quarterbacks, what did you make uh -oh. of this NFL weekend? Because I, I honestly thought watching the games this weekend, Philly, obviously, I did not. Uh, I was not surprised that they destroyed the Giants. I told Leland the Giants had 0% chance, and I was right. Um, Likewise. And you said all the home teams were guaranteed to win. Let's be clear I said I that. thought – no, I said I thought <laughs> all the home teams would win. I gave the Bengals a 35% chance. That appeared to be low. Um, but I then um, – the game that surprised me was how bad – Dak regressed. I figured some of that was Tampa Bay's defense not being as good, but 
it did seem like Dak almost just was a different quarterback than he was in that first round game. Well, I think some of that you just hit on was Tampa Bay, who was fooling us all year. The couple of things that we also should have seen coming was Tampa Bay came from fourth quarter deficits, double digits against the Saints on a Monday night, mm-hmm. my Arizona Cardinals, which I'm calling on the phone with my buddy. Uh, I said, this is going to happen. My Christmas night is going to be bad. And I got <laughs> sick that night. Something I ate wasn't going to do with that, although that didn't help the game. And then the Carolina game, I'm actually doing a, a spot for our radio station at a, at a local sports uh, bar slash restaurant that we had. And I'm watching it unfold. And I'm saying to myself, this is, this is going to happen. He's going to beat Carolina. But, all year long, they refused to run the football, which people said Leonard Fournette's going to have a good game. He didn't have like three touches in the game. And the change from Todd Bowles being the head coach from defensive coordinator was affecting them. They didn't blitz as much this year. And Dallas was either great or really bad. There wasn't a lot of in-between with them. When Tony Pollard got hurt, that took away one of their more effective multi-purpose weapons. I almost call him like a Dave Meggett plus for them, the way he plays, at catching the ball, running the ball. That affected them immensely. And San Francisco's defense was lights out all year. I mean, to think that they're one win away from the Super Bowl with the last pick in the draft, and this is a chance for Kyle Shanahan to go to a Super Bowl with a second different quarterback after Jimmy G got hurt and Trey Lance got hurt in week one is quite remarkable. The game that stunned me a little bit was the the Buffalo game. We should have seen some of the caution warning signs, the, the, the blowing of the lead against the Vikings and that wild finish. The Miami game, the first go-round, when they lost that game in the heat, the second go-round, the night that the uh, Colts-Vikings crazy comeback, and they were down eight at home in the fourth quarter and came back and beat Tua. And then the wild-card round, where they were listless after getting a huge lead against a third-string quarterback. I think not only did the emotion of all the DeMar Hamlin scary situation, unfortunate um, deal happen to hurt them, but it impacted them on the field because he's one of your better tacklers. And then you're also missing Von Miller in the pass rush department. So plus I didn't think about this until believe it or not, the former head football coach at Cox high school who just stepped down in Virginia beach. Alan Fennica tweeted this pro football hall of famer to play with the Steelers. He made the point early on in the game. And I was like, that's a really good point. I had thought of is that, and now every analyst on TV is making this point, you know, that you can't get as much of a pass rush in the snow. And I think that played to the Bengals' advantage. I'm not sure it will as much this week. And I would caution everybody that thinks, now, this is all going to be dependent upon what Patrick Mahomes we see on Sunday. But everybody seems to be on the Bengals. I think they made the money line even or a slight favorite for Cincinnati. I caution folks because as good as the Bengals are playing right now, and I know they don't have Tyreek Hill, Kansas City, that they had a year ago. Last year, that game was looking like a KC route. They jumped out on Cincinnati 21-3, 21-3, and then they took their foot off the gas, and Mahomes had a couple of turnovers. The one thing that the Bengals do have is Lou Anarumo is one of the better deep corners in, in the uh, whole league, and he makes great halftime adjustments. But that, to me, might be the shootout. I thought the Bengals-Bills would be a 38-35 game that could go either way, and I was surprised that Buffalo did not score a touchdown the whole second half. So uh, it's weird, though. You get those division rivalry games like Ravens-Bengals, even without Lamar, and it's close. Bills-Dolphins is close. Then you get the Eagles-Giants. It's just a total beatdown. Um, that familiarity factor does sometimes translate to the uh, NFL. The one game I missed besides the Bills straight up, I thought the Bengals could cover. thought the Eagles would win easily. thought the Niners would win close. I took a weird gamble on the Jaguars over the Chiefs just because I didn't buy into Casey's defense, and I just thought it could be a deal where the Jaguars – and Jacksonville had two chances Albert, in that game. Without that fumble in the pick, they might win. And it covered, they might have won that game. So I think – 
that game to me, and I didn't see it all because I was in the airport coming back, but it was a matter of experience. They're, they're coming. They're not there yet. And that, that youth sort of showed up, but for this week, if Mahomes can play and be better than 50%, That's I'll go huge. chiefs. If he can play, I'll go chiefs. If he can't, I would go Bengals. And I think the Niners win a low scoring game. I'm sorry. The Eagles win a low scoring game with the Eagles. I mean, with the uh, Niners, I'd go Philly to something like 20 to 17, 17, 14 by a field goal. I know that disappoints you, Joe, but I think the Purdy, eventually the lights are going to come down against, you know, another elite team of defensive players that can get after you on that D-line with the Eagles, and they got a local guy from Virginia and Josh Sweat, part of that fierce pass rush, or the AFC where you have an elite quarterback in Mahomes or Burrow. But the Niners are the most complete physical team. I just think at some point they're going to they're going to make Purdy have to make a play, and at this level it might be where he makes that mistake or has the bad game. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. Um, I honestly, out of all four teams, any combination would not surprise me because of one, the Mahomes injury and two, it does kind of seem like the Bengals have kind of, you know, figured out the Chiefs. Even when Mahomes is healthy, they found ways to beat him the last three times. Um, But (sighs) Philly winning is my nightmare because let's say Cincinnati wins. That's my nightmare Super Bowl. That was my nightmare Super Bowl going in was Philadelphia, Cincinnati. Like when the playoffs came out, I told him, I was like, look, I mean, I don't want Tom Brady in it because I'm tired of Brady. I was like, a lot of people are. I don't want Philly because I don't like Philly. Um, and I don't want Cincinnati because division rival with the Ravens. A- anyone else in the AFC would have been fine. And now the Bengals beat the Ravens because our backup quarterback from the four yard line tries to stretch the ball out. And that was a tough one. No kidding. Um, and then, yeah, try being emotionally invested. Um, then, then I you have, have Aaron them. Francisco. Let me remind you the Super Bowl 43 Cardinals Steelers. So I, I feel your pain. Trust yeah. me. At least you got a couple of rings with Ray Lewis I, and that I defense like of Joe Flacco. So that, I thought I just had too many tears for you, That's Joe. Fair. Continue on. Go ahead. That's fair. Um, I, I like that Super Bowl. It's one of my favorites. That was a lame, oh, your Steelers guy. That was a lame yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, oh. I was with you, Hatfield. I was rooting for the Cardinals. Um, uh, but Larry Fitzgerald scored too early. If he did it a minute later, <laughs> the game's over. That's true. <laughs> I love the that attitude. It wasn't as wide. We wouldn't have won. That's right. I love that attitude. It was a different dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a common soccer saying too. If somebody scores in like the first five minutes, Aaron bleeping Francisco. He cost us that Super Bowl. Ugh. I love that though. That we scored too early. That's a in soccer, like yeah. if you score in the first five minutes, it's what every soccer fan will oh, text. Listen, like, I had we a score too early. Call me the minute the minute Fitzgerald catches a touch before you finish up your joke. He said, "You're going to win this thing." I said, "No, we're not." They get the ball back, <laughs> and I've seen this defense. It's not happening. I said, "You done jinxed it." I said, "It is not happening." Even when they get that first play, I'm like, "Oh, maybe we got a shot." No, Aaron Francisco's going to field. He's going to make a bad angle, and he made a bad angle. Ah, uh, but that, and then, then they beat the Bills which was upsetting. And honestly, I don't have any problem with Josh Allen. I have never screamed at Josh Allen more in my life combined. And it, oh, here's the thing. Listen, I texted, I texted a day, last week. I said, if I was playing Russian roulette with Brett Favre or Josh Allen, I'd feel better with Brett Favre. Yeah. Because sometimes Josh Allen just makes decisions where you're like, what are you doing? Like, yes. I don't understand what you saw. And honestly, my brother's a Cowboys fan. I was talking to him during the Cowboys 49ers game. And there were a couple times where he's like, what is Dak throwing at? And I was like, uh, red. That's what he's throwing at. And he's like, well, he knows we don't wear red, right? <laughs> like, 
But you know, in defense Ever. of Dak, and I'm not going to defend Dak too hard here because I know we're pressed on time and, and he doesn't deserve a ton of defending. I, to me, that game, and I had people tweet this to me, that game was coaching preparation because Brock Purdy is not more physically gifted or talented than, than Dak. Shanahan puts him in better positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. And Mike McCarthy's had issues going back to the money night game against the Giants where he got screwed with the clock management. He had it in the Packers game, he got screwed with the clock management. His decision-making and, and timing are very, very ill at times, very ill-timed decision-making. I don't think McCarthy puts him in the best of positions to succeed. Now, do I think he's an elite quarterback he can win a Super Bowl with? No. He's a good enough quarterback to get you to the get you to the playoffs and not advance further. So some of that's got to fall on McCarthy. If you can get Sean Payton, you go get Sean Payton is what I have to say. Are you, are you surprised, though, that like Tom Brady to the Niners rumors are out there? Because Brock Purdy has played really well. Yes. Uh, Brock yeah, Purdy yes, has played they really, have, really well. They have well. three quarterbacks on their roster, and he's at the point where Brady in the red zone, it's – I make the analogy with him and LeBron. LeBron's still great, but you know, eventually he can't close as many games the way he used to. Brady in the red zone is not as sharp as he used to, and that's part of the decline. Even though he's still putting up wonderful numbers and is superhuman to be performing at the level he is at his age and do it for the longevity he's done it. So, I would not, if I was them, make that move. There's there's too much of a decline there that I see that would limit me. I tell you what, the most intriguing Super Bowl storyline to me would be is if you got Philly KC from this perspective, Andy Reid against yeah. his former team, and you have the Kelsey brothers going against each other. But I think yeah. you'll get a good matchup no matter what the combination is. Yeah, the Super Bowl. NFL will be happy. I want to hit before we run out of time. So, like, your 60-122nd answer, Arizona, get some stuff up in the air right now. What are you looking to have happen out there? For the coach? Yeah. I, I personally, I told this to a buddy of mine last night. I personally would like to see D'Amico Ryans get the job. I, I've watched him with that defense. He was a wonderful yeah. linebacker. I do feel, unfortunately, we've gotten to a point where I do think a lot of the, you know, the black coaches have not gotten a fair shake. And I think he deserves right. an opportunity. Both him and Eric Bieniemy, who's an offensive coordinator with the Chiefs, deserve an opportunity. Uh, we don't need to, and this is, and this is not really even Jeff Saturday's fault. It's, it's the crazy owner there, Jim Irsay's fault, that he got that chance with the Colts. But yeah. we're seeing too many people that are not, as qualified, paid their dues, get that opportunity when I think D'Amico Ryans is going to be a young, big-time star. He, to me, strikes me as a less demonstrative Mike Tomlin. I think he motivates his players. I think he knows the game. Um, I think he's going to do great things as a head coach one day. And it might not be next year. He might be waiting for that right opportunity, but he would be my first phone call. He'd have to tell me no if I'm the Cardinals. And we have a myriad of problems. Cliff Kingsbury – He'd take the one-way ticket and go bye-bye. He's a college coach to me. I didn't like the hire from the get-go. I think Kyler's a great athlete, but I fear like he's a lesser Lamar Jackson to me who should have gone and played baseball. I don't think we he, – it's almost like the Dak Prescott. He can get us to the dance. He's just not going to win us win us first prize. He's not going to get us the, the gold ribbon. He's going to be – his shortcomings show up in big spots. Take that Eagles game this year in a 4 o'clock window as a prime example, not knowing the, the time and down marker situation, the whole deal there. So – They've got to scrap things. I mean, and you know what? Go get you a Larry Fitzgerald or a Kurt Warner or somebody with that type of clout to be involved in the front office to give you some credibility. And it doesn't have to be those two guys. It could go be an Adrian Wilson. It could be somebody that, that's a cornerstone of your franchise that the fan base can, you know, wrap its arms around. They have a lot of work to do. It's It's been a mess ever since. And honestly, I thought they booted Ken Wisenhout out too soon. I know Arians wanted to get out um, and did a good job there with Carson Palmer, who – I wasn't the biggest a fan of, and I thought he was another guy that was just good enough, not great enough to win us the big game. So uh, they have a lot of work to do, but my first phone call would be D'Amico Ryans. All right. Well, 
like it. Really quick, you're a Law and Order guy. Favorite version of Law and Order, or maybe top two, because I feel like your favorite's going to be the original. Yes, I, I'm sure that's the same answer. No, I, I well, I like some of the old originals. I, believe it or not, the last episode before Christmas break, I'm actually an episode behind with all my travels, and I know everybody's looking forward to this Vincent Stabler. They're going to kiss what's going to happen deal, <laughs> which is, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not sitting there like you know one of those you know gossip girls. Oh my gosh, they're going to kiss, but I do think it's interesting. Anyways. <laughs> I actually think the organized crime, if the if the writers okay. can stick to one storyline, is the, has got the most potential ceiling. The most consistent is SVU. The Law and Order bringing back Jack McCoy was good, but they got to make a couple cast changes. I think that one could be the best, and it hasn't been the longest running. But I'd have to go to top one is SVU. I don't care too much for the criminal intent and some other other you know those three that are currently from eight to nine to ten are your best. So I had to go SVU from a consistency standpoint organized crime two and then three is the original law and order even though that's got the, the old episodes you can binge those for like eight nine hours in a day so yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been there that used to be called yeah. memorial day weekend yeah Matt, <laughs> thanks for coming on with us we appreciate you taking part in our competition and then coming on as the winner we'll have a, a ncaa bracket coming up so you can uh try to uh win again i don't know if that's you know holding on to your title or not we're jumping sports but We'll have it out there for you and everybody else. And, and just so everybody else is reminded, this could be you next time. So everybody needs to sign up yeah. and play. I look forward to it. I'll get my belt ready. Thanks again to Matt Hatfield. Always fun having him on. Yeah. And, and this uh, time we didn't just pressure him to just, you know, recite every roster from around the state of and, you know, coaching changes and where kids are getting recruited to. He has all that in him. He has the book of knowledge. I we saw could have some just today. that up on him and he would have started spitting it out. But it was fun to have a more relaxed uh, kind of D block conversation with Hatfield there. That was awesome. Yeah, I got to see some of that today where he was talking about players getting offers from Citadel and Miami. So there you go. Yay. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's quite the that's what range. you want. That's what you want. No, that not the same player getting those offers. It was two different players, but uh, players in state. Like, players in state, one getting one from Citadel, one getting one from Miami. And the Miami one is yay if you're a Virginia Tech fan because that's really what you want to see is someone in conference going into your state and potentially yeah. getting someone. Um, well, we talked a lot of NFL, uh, but yeah. let's talk about that backdoor cover because Jacksonville, honestly, huge field goal. Um that's what it's all about, really. I I was impressed getting up to the backdoor cover. I was impressed generally with what Trevor did in that game. I you know, was giving him credit a week ago of playing terrible for a half and then rebounding within that game and, and making a game-winning uh, drive. You know, didn't have it in this game against a tougher team in Kansas City. Um, but he still played a rather good game, seemed to have good control, Never seemed like the moment was too big for him. I mean, the late pick happened. It, it did, but it wasn't some absolute egregious thing and he deserves to, you know, be benched. Like, it, it was one that happens. He's going to learn from it. He's playing a better team. I think Mahomes' injury kind of slowed Kansas City down to a degree, too. But credit to Jacksonville to take advantage of that. So, um, you know, I I watched – that was the game I watched the most of this weekend. I, I watched from, like, the third snap on. And, uh, yeah, it was a good game. Um, and I, I think it just kind of reinforced some of the positives I had for Trevor. I, I 
the other side of that, I'm really worried if Mahomes can't go this week, I'm, I'm, I, I don't think Kansas City can win without him. I agree. Um, God, this is my nightmare. This I hate this. It's going to be Philadelphia, <laughs> Cincinnati, and I'm going to hate it. I don't even know if I want to watch the Super Bowl if that's the case. I mean, yeah. I will, but yeah. I'm not going to. There's been plenty of Super Bowls where I root for, you know, the tie or the unfinished game. But uh, yeah, There's- I'm just it's it's so gross. I will say this. If it's Philadelphia, Cincinnati, I never thought I would say this. And, John, if you're listening, brace yourself. (laughs) I hope the Eagles win because I've lived through a Cincinnati Super – or I've lived through a Philadelphia Super Bowl. I don't know if I would live through a Cincinnati Super Bowl, and I'd rather not chance it. Yeah, it'll be interesting if we get that. Philadelphia looked great in their win. I watched very little of that game. I was planning to watch, but uh, I'll talk more about what I was doing this weekend. But, you know, when I was away from the TV, by the time I got back to one, it was 14 nothing, and there was no reason to pick it up from there. Uh, I never found a reason to get drugged back in. So uh, they look good. I really don't – I don't have the details on that game. They just whooped them. No, I um, details. I, I doubt you have much to say there. Uh, Cincinnati Buffalo. I watched that one on fast forward basically. Cause I came into it late and I was trying to catch up. Um, I was just surprised how much the weather seemed to affect Allen. It just, it seemed like that had a factor to him. It surprised me for a guy that plays in Buffalo. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what is one of the takeaways I took watching the game quickly. Yes. Allen seemed to be more bothered by the snow than Cincinnati was, which is yeah upsetting. Um, Buffalo's pass it's not rush. Like since he plays in some kind of dome or anything, they, I mean they're they're used to the elements. I just, I mean, Allen, they've had snow up there what two the last other games three year, weeks, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I was just really surprised at how bad they were in the snow and. Also, like, reinforce my, like, he reminds – his decision remi- decision making reminds me of Brett Favre, and I know Hatfield just kind of referenced him, too. Mm-hmm. I, it just kind of reinforced that thought. Yeah, he wasn't great in that game. That was disappointing. Um, I really hated watching Buffalo lose that game. It was terrible. Um, well, I mean, I heard a lot last week from you about how mm-hmm. fake – Cincinnati is yep. and um, phonies not good, just right? Very declarative statements. Mm-hmm. So I was impressed that a fake team was able to. They're going to fake their know, way to the Super Bowl. Same elements as Allen. Yeah, it's funny like that you that you could be fake and get all the way there. They're uh, going to fake their fake way to a Super Bowl. Too, right? It's going to be terrible. They're going to fake their way to two straight Super Bowls because everything has just been laid at their feet. Josh Allen apparently forgets how to play in the snow. Our backup quarterback tries to stretch the play ball defense out. Defense when Cincinnati's out there, like just going down the field scoring. Our yeah. backup quarterback tries to stretch the ball out from the four yard line like an asshole, and then yeah, still that. that's how they beat us. <laughs> They're going to play Kansas City without Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is just yeah. shenanigans. That's, I mean, and I agree with that field. It's it, it if ha- if Mahomes plays is the decider for me. Mm. Um, I think since he has a shot, even with Mahomes there, I think yeah, I do too. They have beat him with him there, but uh, I don't know if I'll pick that if Mahomes looks good to go. Um, and I guess I'm going to depend on the reports because you can't really get your best lines and decision making 
um, until you, you got to do it before the game, before you see oh, him sure, on the field. Sure. But, yeah, no, I agree with uh, that. Um, but then <sighs> it's Fox's Super Bowl, right? Yeah, Fox has it with the uh, okay. with the new crew there. Good. I'm very happy about that. Um, and I will say this. What I am most looking forward to next week is that I will watch the game between Cincinnati and Kansas City on mute. Um, I love Jim Nance. Jim Nance does a great job. I have never wanted to be deaf more than when Tony Romo is talking. I don't think he's insightful. I've never found him to be a good broadcaster. Everyone liked the, oh, he can predict the play. (laughs) Well, he can't predict the play anymore because he's so far removed from the playbook. And then you get to hear how dumb he really is. And when he's asked for an opinion on something, he doesn't have one. And all he does is make weird noises and just, I hate it. I cannot stand him. He is rapidly becoming my least favorite color analyst in the booth. I, and I never thought I would see anybody take out Collinsworth. But I think I don't like him more than Collinsworth. Because occasionally Collinsworth will say something, and I'm like, that's true. That's a good point, Chris. And I've never said that about Tony Romo. I don't have as strong as a opinion. Did you know that the Cincinnati Bengals have been doing this for a long time? Did you know two years was a long time? I didn't know that two years was considered a long time in the NFL. Yeah, this is the second year of Cincinnati doing this. Well... Watching the Buffalo game, he's like, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow and Cincinnati have been doing this for a long time, Jim. And I'm like, dude, it's been yeah, two years. Year. Joe Burrow's first year, they were dog crap. They he got were hurt. The he was first, hurt the second half of the season. Yeah, they were in the top five draft pick. He looked God, good in the first half of that season, but they weren't winning, but he was looking right. pretty good. And then he got hurt. Like, So I'll, I'll maybe give credit that Burrow looked good in eight games of that season, whatever it was. But, like, but they no, weren't good. They weren't doing good. what they were doing to Buffalo. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was just, it's stupid. And when he talks, it's yeah. stupid. I texted you something on the side about, like, I'm pretty sure that's not why that's called that. And it turns out I was right. And I just, <sighs> he's not. And you're so used to me arguing with you that you I know. I was, okay. I, yeah, I thought you were arguing <laughs> with me. And I was like, I mean, I'm I right. I just gave but, you facts. Yeah, you I'm up. right. But. <laughs> I, I just I don't think he's a good broadcaster. I can't believe people think he's good at that um, he, because he's not. I, I, there are so many other people that are more deserving of of that position than Tony Romo. Olsen. Olsen's doing a good job. Olsen's Fox. doing a good job, and Olsen's going to get replaced if Tom Brady retires, which is wrong. If that happens, Olsen should go to CBS. I would listen to Jim Nance and Greg Olsen. Um, I would not. I cannot. Nothing makes me want Tony Romo to go pro more than when he's broadcasting. I'm like, just go back. Just play. <laughs> go play in the XFL or the USFL or the NFL or the CFL or, you know, the backyard football league, the BFL. I don't care. Like, just don't do what you're doing. In the last game of the weekend was the game we were happy Tony Romo wasn't calling because it was Dallas playing San Francisco. And I know we've touched on this a good bit already but I give a lot of credit to San Francisco's D in that game. I don't think Dallas yeah. played terrible. I know a couple touch uh, interceptions from Dak, and they're not good. But, like, that defense was really good and, you know, really impacting the run. And Dallas still found a way to be in that game up until the end of it. Um, you know, scoring was at a premium on both sides. And Dallas's defense was playing great. So, I mean, you, you got to think if Dallas, okay, you keep San Francisco under 20, 
you know, okay, we have a shot. And they did. So uh, I'll, I'll give credit there. And I, that I think it makes me more impressed with San Francisco I, as much so that I just don't know who I'm picking between Philly and San Francisco right now. I know, you know, your world is over and you've had Philly already in there, but like San Francisco, very capable of winning that game with a rookie quarterback because they take care of Purdy and they don't put them in bad situations. And, you know, that's what my Steelers did with Ben Roethlisberger when he was a rookie and he was playing into the playoffs. And I think we lost in the AFC championship that year, but they did good job at keeping him out of harm's way of, you know, making the backbreaker and, and that's what San Francisco is doing for Purdy. So it, it can work. And with how good San Francisco's D is, it does make me think that they can cause a problem for Hurts. And so I, I really don't know who I'm picking in that game yet. It's going to be a good week of NFL it football is. in terms of the, be quiet the, the games for half of the it field. for you. But yeah, it'll be a good week. Yeah, well, that's fine. I'll have something else on in terms of audio. You want, but, you just want me to put me on the phone and I'll do the play by play fine. for you. I would rather listen to us do the game than, than Tony <laughs> Romo. Uh, uh, absolutely. No, I'm saying me, not, not us, just me. Oh, I'd rather listen to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, th- this, I said last week, I didn't think any road teams were going to win and Cincinnati ended up proving me wrong. Um, but the other three home teams did win. I think this week, both road teams might win. I do think That's the possible. 49ers could win. Um, I yeah. My brain says it'll be the Eagles because that's what I don't want. Um, but And that's how the world goes. Um, but I do think the 49ers, like you said, the defense has been so good. And honestly, that, that game against Dallas, it changed on the, the Kittle catch. When he tipped that ball off yeah. his face mask yeah. and caught it, I was talking to my brother, and he just – I was like, wow, what a catch. And my brother goes, all right, well, let's not sound excited about it. And, I mean, because Dallas's D had erased their offense up to that point. And then after that play, San Francisco's offense was clicking. It was like, that's when McCaffrey started working. That's when Purdy started hitting his receivers better. And it was just nothing Dallas could do. Dallas makes a stupid – they get a sack that could have ended the drive, but some goober – grabs Kittle and throws him to the ground. It was just for a holding penalty. <laughs> it, was like, it was amazing. Um, but the 49ers uh, played a very good game. I'll say this. That was visually the best game of the week. And I think it was the best game of the week in terms of the product on the field too. But visually, that Cowboys white uniform with the bluish silver pants and the helmet with the star Versus that old school 49ers look, the old school helmet, the red uniform and the gold pants. The gold pants were crucial because sometimes the 49ers wear white pants, but they chose the gold and that was awesome. That, I could watch that every week, just that uniform battle every week. That would yeah. be great. Visually, I do like the snow coming down in a game. It's fun. No, it was annoying. The Bills wearing white helmets is stupid. Wear red helmets. Um, also, New York Giants, you want to know why you got curb stomped by the Eagles? You wore your the plainest uniforms in the history of the NFL belong to the New York Giants. Honest, if you told me these uniforms were designed by a kindergartner, I would be like, I believe it. No creativity here. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I've seen I've seen kindergartner pretty consistently. Kindergartners have a lot of creativity. But if you were like, we just want kindergartners just pick a color for the numbers. Like, 
our colors are it's red and blue. Guy around back. He's the is the is the bookkeeper there. I mean, it it is the most parks and rec looking jersey I have <laughs> ever seen. I mean, it is white, red numbers. We're done here. <laughs> it's go back to like honestly, they were showing highlights from earlier in the year where they're wearing their throwbacks with the like darker blue helmets and the the uniforms with the navy blue numbers, and then they've got like the uh, white, it's a triple stripe, I think is what it's called, or a triple, double outline. But the navy blue numbers, the white, and then like a navy blue and red outline on that. And I'm like, that, like whatever they used to wear in the 90s, go look at that. I was like, that's what you should have wore against the Eagles, and you would have won. But you chose to wear the wreck-looking jerseys. You looked wreck, like a wreck team when you were playing. I think we're going to get I've, I've talked myself into it and I, I just know I knew I was gonna get there by the end of the week I'm just gonna go ahead and say it now I, I'm gonna pick the 49ers and either matchup with either AFC team is gonna be interesting the Bengals you had that in the 80s so they can talk about the 80s then mm-hmm. 49ers Chiefs what's that the Joe Montana Bowl like there you go so that's that's what I got so those will be the storylines going for Super Bowl as far as I see it coming but I, I I've talked myself with the 49ers their defense is gonna win it so I really really hope and here's the thing. I know the Super Bowl is um, in Vegas, I believe. Yes. Is that right? Um, is, that's in. Uh, I no, really it's in Arizona, know. isn't it? I actually don't know. This is probably something I should have looked up before I just talked about it. Um, well, what, what's your crap talk that you're going to have? If it is a rematch. Glendale, Arizona. It is in Arizona. It's in Glendale. If it's a rematch between the 49ers and the Bengals, I think they should change the side of the Super Bowl. Go back to Detroit, <laughs> where all the magic happened. Now, I, unfortunately, I believe the Pontiac Silver Dome has been demolished. It's gone. Oh, it is absolutely gone. I would, if it was still there, I would have loved for them to play it in the Pontiac Silver Dome, even though it's a dump. But <laughs> just go back and play it again. I want to recreate everything I can to make that situation the exact same outcome. I don't. This world has never seen the Cincinnati Bengals win a Super Bowl. And I don't know if we could handle it. So for civilization's sake, let's all hope that the Bengals don't win a Super Bowl. All this three other team teams that have won one. Even coming out of the uh, Super Bowl last year, and I kind of gave Cincinnati some credit in saying, like, it seems like they kind of have a better thing working there than L.A. does. And you argued with me immediately. And I think I said two, three years out. So I don't think I'm right yet. But so far, it's trending my way. So. Oh, absolutely. Um I would say that we are a healthy and not contract issue quarterback away from dominating the Bengals. Um, They already don't have their quarterback issues. So I will say this, though, those contracts going to come up. Bengals better do it this year. A lot of people hit free agency. And then they're done. All right, so let's jump into the D block. What did uh, what you get into this weekend? <sighs> what did I do? <laughs> Called a game, didn't you? No. Oh, you didn't. Not this weekend. Game. Nope they were at they were at George Washington. They were in D.C. Um, I got a haircut. That was good. I needed that. Where do you do that at? Hmm? Where do you do that at? 
It's a place in Waynesboro. I think it's pronounced Sevaluk. That's okay. where the McDonald's on Main Street is. There you go. It's... I always, whenever I think about haircuts with you, I I remember making a comment about having a close relationship with my uh, with the lady that cuts my hair. You know, too close yeah. of a relationship. And I remember you just like gritting your teeth and being so mad at me for like a solid minute. And I kind of came back to it and said something more. And because I realized you didn't really catch the vibe that I was meaning my wife cuts my hair and you thought I was having an extramarital haircut. Yeah, and, uh, I did. So, uh, I, I, I do remember that the that. first time you told me that. And I was like, <laughs> all right, so Leland is trying to have me come over there and choke him. So that's a thing. Um, but nope, yeah, she's always up there. <laughs> well, that's I an expensive haircut. Whew. Yeah, I don't do that. Um, but yeah, it had been it had been two months. It had been like before Thanksgiving since I'd had a haircut. So I Ooh. desperately needed one. Um, I was glad to get the haircut. Uh, it was good. Um, it's it is Sevaluk, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, but if you're in Waynesboro and need a haircut, I highly recommend them. Solid people do a great job every yeah. time. Um, and then here's another one for you, Leland, because I'm going to be watching the menu because I just noticed it popped up on HBO. It's a movie. Um, I'm intrigued the by menu. that movie. Hmm? The menu. Okay. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that movie. But then there's another one, and I want to talk about this is sort of sports-related, and this will go into what I know that you need to know, I guess. The ads that because I'm used to watching the red zone and not watching commercials during NFL games, this has been a special hell, but whopper, 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 whopper. Oh, that's not even, not <laughs> even. Um, that's true. During the regular season, like on Monday and Sunday nights, I guess that shows you how much Monday and Sunday night football I've been watching, but well, we're usually recording on Monday. That's true. Uh, they're on then. And I just, I guess I'm doing other stuff. So it doesn't affect me as much, but, um, NBC not having any more games is awesome because oh wait no that's not true they have one more don't they No they're done They're done That they're was done. it I thought they had the NFC Championship did they not Is that Fox No Fox and CBS Oh thank goodness okay If I ever see another ad for Night Court it'll be too <laughs> soon I It came on right after the Kansas City game because at the Fantastic we at, couldn't wait to shut it off It came on couldn't wait to shut it off. I switched so fast. I, I didn't realize it was the girl from Big Bang. I didn't realize it was uh, Howard's girl from, from Big Bang that was like the judge. I didn't realize I didn't care. I I don't <laughs> like anyone in that show. I didn't watch Big Bang. I'm not going to watch that show. So what that tells me, as nice of a person as she might be, chooses terrible, terrible shows. I, like, I liked uh, John Larroquette's uh, character in West Wing. I thought like he was a good like side guy. They didn't weren't able to use him that much, uh, but like when they swung him in there, I thought he was a good character there. Don't care. Um, he's on that show and that show. Every time I watch a commercial for that show, I was like, man, this screams canceled in one season. Like, it does. They had good numbers though for their first episode. Apparently, it led in from a football game. Let's see what week two. Not is. last week. Not last week when it was on. Well, that's upsetting. Because if that show survives, you know what? If that show survives, this country won't. I'll say that right now. Um, and then the other one that I saw 
well, there are two other ones, I guess. But the other show, Lone Star 911, I, gosh. I, every time I see that commercial, I'm like, man. Is Sam, that the one that Sam uh, Seaborn has really dropped Sam off? Sam Seaborn's on it, yeah. I can't, his, I just blanked on his name right when you did. <laughs> Stop pooping. Stop. Um. Yeah, Chris Traker and Sam Seaborn. <laughs> Stop pooping. Um, which is what I was screaming at Josh Allen on my TV. Um, but the the commercial I did like, and I'm super into this. I can't wait for this movie. Rob Knock, Lowe. Rob Lowe is the name. Yes, you're right. Knock at the Cabin. Oh, I cannot wait. I It has been since Top Gun Maverick since I've seen a movie in theaters. And when I thought about that, I was like, I don't think there's been a movie that's come out that I've wanted to see in theaters since Top Gun Maverick. Um, this is this is hitting that list. I cannot wait for Knock at the Cabin. That movie looks awesome. Without, I like the aspects of the commercial that I see more so of like there's some kind of world event coming on. We talked about this last week. Uh-huh. And I like I like the breakdown of the world and how that occurs. The the ultimatum in it is a tough thing to hear but it is that's what his movies do that's what his movies do and it's not real it's a fake a fake movie well, that's made up no so the only reason we we don't know it. that leland the only reason we're here could be because every so often someone has to as i continually show my 10 year old movies that are you know pg-13 and probably a little bit beyond her i just i always do remind her it's just not real it's not real probably not that one though um <laughs> that one might be r you used to be a little scared of jurassic park i was like it's fake it's, these dinosaurs aren't here seeing the weapons that batista is wielding might be r um but how is all of a sudden he getting all these movies yeah he's getting a lot of movies huh does he act well because like the one movie i watched him in i wouldn't say he did the avengers Oh, he's in that stuff. I didn't know he was in that. He's he Guardians of the he's Galaxy. In Knives Out. He was in Knives Out is what I watched him in. Oh, I thought he did okay in that. Guardians of the Galaxy, he was he's the blue guy. The big muscle guy that I uh, as you have said, I guess that shows you how much I've watched that. Okay, that's fair. Um that was the first thing I saw him in, and I was wondering how good that would be received. Um but he's getting some roles, and um, yeah. good for him, I guess. But, yeah, that movie, uh, I, d- I don't know how happy of an ending it's going to have. Um, but the storyline interests me. It's something new, I guess, is what it is interests me new. the most. Because, And I, I honestly, when I thought about it, I was like, why haven't there been any movies I've wanted to see? And I'm like, oh, well, they've all been Marvel movies, I guess. And it does feel like Disney is cookie-cutter in terms of what movies they're going to release. And then the other studios have also been trying to be cookie cutter on what they're releasing. And I'm just like, this isn't for me, I guess. But this story, it's a different kind of story. And I am intrigued. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I, I, I know I'm not going to be to the theaters to see that, but I'll be interested. Oh, Leland, come on. We can do it. I've been to one movie in three years. I, I'm not sure if that's going to be number two. What? Come on. We can do it. Zeus or, you know, Visual Light or something. I'll let you pick the venue. Have you been to the Viz? I haven't. This is a nice place. Well, it's coming to the Viz. 
Speaking of a nice place, I went to the Greenbrier this weekend on a work trip. It was a work conference related to construction, so it was a lot of fun um, and, and helpful. But the cool things that we did, I, I've been there once before. Uh, they had this falconry class. Shut where, up. Okay, I, we're going to stay in there and some bird's going to fly at us. It wasn't exactly like that. We started the class. I mean, she's just spitting out fact after fact after fact, and she was great at, at what she does. Um, and you know, it also seemed really like they're taking care of these animals and they're not overrun. They're very trained. So like all that stuff seemed good and didn't make you feel icky. And so then we go outside and we got to hold the Falcon. She just placed the Falcon like on her arm. We have pictures and videos of, of us doing that, which was awesome. But then she's out there and like for feeding time, uh, you know, she's, you know, kind of playing with him and like letting it just fly free. Like that bird could leave. It's, it could be gone. I mean, she just cuts it loose and it can go is wherever it wants to go. It sticks around. It likes the food. It's he's given her. It's flying straight beside us. You're watching it kind of hunt. She says she's been out there and seen it, you know, pick up squirrels and stuff. Like that's what we were hoping for. Uh, but it was a really cool thing. And so I kind of recommend that kind of experience. If you're at a place at the Greenbrier or somewhere else that has something like that, I actually really recommend that. I thought that was Definitely worth our time. Um, and then uh, they had the gambling at the casino, and I'd never really done table games before. And so I got into blackjack. Uh, I had prepared because that's the kind of person I am. Uh, so I, I had a good handle on my approach to how I was going to handle that. And, and it finished well. And they didn't, you know, they, the Greenbrier doesn't own my house now. So we're in good shape. So uh, that was a fun, fun weekend. Got to hang out with the boss and his wife. Uh, with Stephanie with, with me. So that was a fun time and that's a really nice place. And that, that place carries the economy of, I think that side of the state over there. So uh, yeah. it's, it's a really impressive place there and uh, a play, you know, I, I gotta be thankful also that, you know, it's an opportunity I wouldn't have on my own. Like that's a, a work trip that puts me in that position. Um, I wouldn't be able to do something like that without that. So that was pretty cool. But one of the features that I was most excited about going into it they had something called bourbon with bud and, and you know, everybody looked at that like, Oh, it's a bourbon taste. No, it was just a relaxing time where everybody has a drink and sits around and talks to Bud Foster for an hour and a half and, or lets him talk basically. And um, so I got to do that. And so I, okay, I get to meet Bud Foster, you know, have cheered for him for so long, so many games, know so many of his coaching moments. And we all know the highlights of him being so emotional on the sideline and uh, how intense he is. And I've been around him, you know, like on campus, seeing him walk in or something like that and watched so many press conferences. I knew that like, he's not always that intense. So obviously he wasn't, but the cool thing was, is like, it wasn't just restricted to that time that I was around him. I was around him uh, when he was checking in and we chatted for a second. Uh, we chatted during the, the thing. He met Stephanie um, after the bourbon with Bud, we were around him uh, at the casino. So like, it was cool just to kind of be around you know, one of those sports stars of my life to, and, and have it be a very casual atmosphere. Cause the bourbon with Bud was absolutely casual. It's just him sitting there with some questions that were kind of setting him up for good stories. Um, he called out different players that he really liked. I love that Daryl Tapp was, you know, one of those, you know, five guys that he really said a lot about because Daryl Tapp was exactly the same time I was there. Um, I watched him graduate. I was at his graduation ceremony um, he is one of two people that ever got, uh, the, um, 
the uh, the lunch pail, like have to take it. Um, so I, 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 it's just cool to know those kind of detailed stories. Uh, my favorite story he told, it's called the Bojangles story, is how they kind of set it up. And so, like, you know, it's Bud Foster. It's 2009. Um, you know, he's doing some local advertising at car dealerships and other places. And um, we go down. We win the Orange Bowl. He's coming back. And he's like, he just thinks, you know, he's kind of on top of the world there. And just, you know, every, you know, I'm, I've done such a great job and everybody's happy with me. Um, it was the Bojangles had just opened up there, down there at Dublin. And he's like, All right, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to get this chicken biscuit and try out this new Bojangles. I've heard a lot about them. It's the first one up here. Um, so he pulls up to the drive through in you. There's the girl. Uh, and she's like, I, I know you from somewhere. And he's like, oh, and he just tries to kind of play it off. Like, oh, I just, I guess I have that face or something. Just trying to move it on. And then she goes to get his food and she comes back. Oh, I know where it is. You work at uh, Henry Chevrolet, don't you? And he's like, yeah, that's it. She had seen him from the car commercial. She had no idea about the football (laughs) or any success Virginia Tech had had in football and all that. So he said it just knocked him back down real quickly. So I really appreciate that story because I think, you know, there's probably times we've all had a a moment like that, uh, especially you or I, that's, you know, has done some public stuff and some public radio and and stuff. And uh, I think it's good to kind of get knocked down on your butt every once in a while from, you know, you think you might be catching some fame. And uh, obviously I haven't very much, but uh, it's nice to know Bud Foster, someone as famous and as high a pedestal as I put that guy on. He still has those moments too, where, he gets knocked back down. So I, I really appreciate that story, but he had so many cool things to say. Um, you know, he, he's not on the podcast, so I'm not going to just share everything that he said. Uh, but it was cool to hear and cool to have that opportunity. So it was a heck of a weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, there's that. That sounds like a really fun experience. I've been to that Poach Ankles multiple times. I have to, I have to, we stay, uh, I talked to him cause he lives right on Clater Lake. Uh, right. so near that exit. And, uh, I've stayed on that side of the lake as well. Um, so we talked a bit about that, uh, as w- on one of the times we had a one-on-one conversation. Um, so yeah, that Bojangles is solid. That was the first time I had Bojangles was there. I don't think it's the first time I've had Bojangles, but I've had, it's the Bojangles, man, I don't know. The Stanton one might've surpassed it this year. Um, but yeah, I have family that live in Dublin. So, uh, yeah, I've gotten to spend a lot of time there. That's the first um, time I had Bojangles chicken, absolutely. I like it. I like their chicken. I like it. It has like a, a touch of spice to it. I yeah, like it. Yeah. Um, it was better when they sponsored high school football on ESPN 1240 The Boss. but It did. There I, I, I was some advantages there. Um, but that's Those cool. Rounds. Those bow rounds, man. Um, but that's cool. That sounds like a really, really fun, fun time. And I'm such a fanboy. Like, and I tried to – I think I played it cool. I was never like embarrassing to him, but like, I think I had to hold it back to be fair, to be honest. Like I had to kind of restrain myself from just like hugging him. (laughs) Yeah. That would have been weird. Um, That would have been really weird. Well, that will do it for us on this episode of the Yak Sports podcast. And thankfully Leland didn't get a restraining order this weekend. So (laughs) you can follow us on Twitter at YAC Sports Pod. You can follow us on Facebook. Again, YAC Sports Pod. Or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com spelled, you guessed it, YAC. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Yeah, I, I say that because sometimes, you know, it's not spelled like the animal, so some people don't get it. Um, I've had to explain it before with the hat. Um, your Augusta County. Your Augusta County Sports Podcast. YAC Sports Pod. 
subscribe on Podbean, Apple, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you don't miss another episode. Lila and I will be back to talk about that Wilson-Stanton game yeah. from this week. That's going to be a huge one. And then uh, we'll also be talking, I'm sure, about who's going to the Super Bowl and uh, whether yeah, whether Eli or Peyton will win the Pro Bowl competition. Oh, are they like the coaches for the games? Yeah. You didn't see – oh, that was the one commercial on NBC that I did appreciate was the uh, Pro Bowl commercials where – um, like Peyton and Eli were this week, they had kind of changed or really leaned into that ad campaign, I guess, where um, Eli had said, well, we're the NFC is definitely winning the flag football game. And Peyton was like, well, we're definitely winning the dodgeball game. And they were going through all the competitions. And then Eli goes, well, mom loves the AFC more. And then <laughs> Eli's kind of quiet and Peyton's phone rings. He goes, this is her. And Eli's like, no, it's not. And he's like, yeah, she calls me like every day. And he goes, hey, mom. <laughs> and Eli goes, hi, mom. And he goes, yeah, she doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> so no, that I'm was kind of funny. Catch that one. Yeah, that was that was kind of a funny. Yeah, that was like the only ad that NBC ran religiously every commercial break. But I was like, OK, I kind of like this one. Um, I, I like a Peyton commercial. I, I'm, I, I, like I was going to say, I think it was because the Ravens and Colts kind of played in a lot of meaningful games that I kind of didn't care for him. And then when he went to the Broncos, we still played him in meaningful games. I didn't care for him as much during his playing days, but I do kind of like him. And now that Eli isn't playing football, I get to see Eli's personality a little bit, which is nice That's because when he played football... Yeah. When he played football, it was just like, I think this might be the most boring human being that's ever lived. And now that he's like on the main, it comes cast, out well with him, with yeah. his brother too. Yes, it does. Uh, it really does. They had the commercial on ESPN back in the day when they were playing and they're like going down the uh, hallways. At ESPN yes. And, and that was a good commercial behind Archie. That's a great one. That was a good commercial, which you talking about sports center commercials. Did you see the new, this is sports center commercial that they came out with? I've seen some. There's been a couple lately. Which one are you talking about? The U.S. Women's National Team one, where they're sitting in a meeting. Keep and, going. Okay, they're sitting in a meeting and they're waiting. This uh, one of the Sports Center anchors, um, whose name's is escaping me right now, but is giving this presentation, and they're all staring at the clock, and it gets to noon, and they're all like, "Yeah," and he goes, "Oh, over already," and then somebody with one of those boards comes out with stoppage time and it's nine minutes. He goes, all right, nine more minutes. And the team's like, uh, <laughs> sits back down and they're like, seriously. <laughs> they had like one where they're eating orange slices the other day. Yeah. That one I didn't. Uh, yeah. And auto, the orange is behind him and is like mortified. Yeah. That's the one I saw. That one's okay. But this one was funnier to me just because of like the stoppage time. aspect. Yeah. I like, haven't seen this one. That's I, I like, funny. I <laughs> yeah. So good deal for them. I haven't watched the, and then I promise we'll end this podcast episode, but I haven't, I didn't watch the HBO Max soccer matches in New Zealand, which I kind of originally planned on since there was one over the weekend, but it just, I fell asleep. Unfortunately, yeah. New Zealand time, I did not do well for the dry run of this World Cup. The 4.30 game on Saturday was really my my best for watching That's what I'm football. saying, so yeah. On Saturday, I came back to Little League basketball and then, uh, Blind. I was exhausted, and so I kind of fast-forwarded through the Bills game and then maybe fell asleep during the San Francisco-Dallas game. So, 
that was I mean, you missed the most visually. I, I, I went back and caught stuff. But I, I just, can't like, believe you missed the it? most visually compelling game. When Dallas came out on the field, oh, I felt like I was Dallas. being transported oh, into a time Dallas, machine. I hate it. The thing I hate most about you, and you give me so much to work with. I do. <laughs> I do. I do do that. Um, but you called me stupid on this podcast like two weeks ago, and I hate that you like Dallas lot. more than that. <laughs> two weeks ago might be the most recent time but that's been a lot um you blatantly called me my, you, you called I've me called you so hard that my mom had a comment about it so <laughs> i've called you a shill i believe for big conferences and big football um i've called you a lot of things um ignorant an ignorant clown that's one that rob remembers um that i think that might be his new favorite line um on the history of the she, podcast I'm not saying when you called me stupid, that was her favorite line. So, well, it happens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like when they came back, I could, it was like being transported back in a time machine. I was like, oh, Steve Young and Jerry Rice and Ricky Waters versus yeah. Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, and Emmett Smith. What's not to love? And then it was unfortunately Dak Prescott and not Troy Aikman. Um, Although, you know, when you go back and look at Troy Aikman's numbers, not great. Yeah, he won a couple Super Bowls. He's good. Yeah, I'm just saying. I know it was a different era, too. But you look back at those numbers and you're like, that's a Hall of Famer, huh? Okay. Everyone, he was a Hall of Famer. Everyone in this era is going to be a Hall of Famer. I I mean, a lot of those are three quarterbacks. Are, I mean, yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of Hall of Famers from this era. Have you looked at the NFL ballot for Hall of Fame? I don't know how you keep any of them. No. Out. no. I don't know how you keep any of them out. But anyway. A topic for another day. We'll do that next week. That'll be, a, there's a good teaser. We'll talk about the NFL ballot Hall of Fame and why all of them should be Hall of Famers. And I guess lucky for them, the NFL Hall of Fame is not like the MLB Hall of Fame where it's super strict on who gets in. So until next week, for Lilo McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Huh? They put murderers in that one. The MLB one or the, I think both have murderers. They put them all in there. Mm, Ty Cobb is rumored to have murdered a person. So I think both can claim that. Um, (laughs) So him and Ray Rice equals. Ray Rice isn't in the middle. Not Ray Rice. Uh, Ray Lewis. Sorry. OJ Simpson. Yeah. More notably. That was much later. Ray, Ray Lewis was still playing the game when he murdered a person. Uh, you know, that never went to trial, so we don't know that. Um, <laughs> we don't know that. But, um, yeah, for the not stupid Leland McRae. I do. <laughs> for the not stupid Leland McRae, I am the stupid <laughs> Joe Deck, and we'll be back with more Yak Sports podcast next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.